You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, that, that is it, right? That's the whole purpose of investing in the next generation is because they're now affecting the generation behind them. So how do you change the paradigm? You grow the next generation of leaders so that they can change the paradigm. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. Uh, we have a very special guest today, uh, Ara Megradijian. I think I said that right. Yeah, you did. You so tell it. me, so that's, you said before the show, before I fucked up the first part of it, you said that uh, it's uh, Armenian, P- pretty yeah, common. Yeah, it's Armenian. Here. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know the name itself is common, but the, the form of it is. Um, and so, yeah, there's, again, just not in this neck of the woods. I see. Um, so you're uh, the director of the Master of Science and Innovation and Management program at Montana State University. You also used to be the uh, uh, uh professor of military science there for the ROTC program, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah, I did that a while ago, 2006, 2009. And then before or during, you you served, what, 19, 20 years in the military, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And uh, ranger, platoon leader, so on and so forth, a bunch of other officer jobs. Um, What... uh, what do, you, what do you think you got out of that process, to be honest? Like, what was the main what, – what was your main takeaway from the military? Uh, you know, gosh, there's, there's a lot of them. I think for me, though, the, the passion for me always has been leading. I mean, I love soldiers. I, I, I existed to lead soldiers. I loved it. Um, and to serve them was my, my highest – the highest privilege uh, for me was just an amazing privilege. So I think that takeaway um, – and it's something that I've continued, you know, when I do my coaching and speaking and mentoring is it's it's all about leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. So um, whether inside the military or outside, I think a lot of the lessons we learned in the military and I mean, we've all worked for some really great bosses. We've all worked for some really crummy bosses. That's just a fact. But you're learning from all of them, good and bad. Um, and so for me, the biggest takeaway was the impact of leadership. Again, good and bad. Um, but and learning to serve those whom you lead. I mean, that's, to me, the number one priority of leadership. Mm. So I think a lot of that came out of the military. Like I said, some great folks I worked for, some not so great folks I worked for, sure. but the lessons learned I thought were tremendous. So you, uh, you suggest that you can still learn from a bad leader, I guess, what not to do. Yeah, I think I think you you exactly. I mean, it's one of the things that every one of us knows, you know, when I was a lieutenant and, and I was enlisted prior 
prior to mm. this. I enlisted in the reserves specifically because I wanted to go. I wanted to become a private for a while before mm. I became an officer. And I'll be honest with you, as a lieutenant, I thought I could be the greatest colonel in the world until I learned what it was like to be a colonel. Right. Then as a colonel, I thought I'd be the greatest lieutenant in the world until I remembered what it was like to be a lieutenant. The bottom line is we all think we know how to do it better. Um, and the reality is we are there to have an impact, to influence those around us. And yes, even bad leaders, we are learning because there's a tendency over time when we are at one stage of our life or our career to then as we kind of grow and we come under the same stressors, the same challenges, the same dynamics as those other guys, if we're not careful, we'll turn into that which we hate. And that's sure. one of my common, I guess, fighting points is don't become that which you hate. So remember what you didn't like from the leaders in your life and make sure you don't replicate it as you come under stress, as you get older and don't have time, mm -hmm. as you don't have time to give feedback, as you get a little, um, you know, you don't walk the walk that you used to walk. There's no excuse for that, right? Um, and so, but if we're not careful, then we will become that which we hate. And so learning from leaders that are not the greatest is just as important as learning from the leaders that are, because you are learning patterns that you are going to now determine, you know what, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be the opposite. Right. Um, yeah, I would, so, yeah. I, I would add to that. Um, it gives you the opportunity to to get a feel for what it looks like when your team has low morale, I guess, right? I mean, it's one, one of the most important parts of uh, leadership and management, in my opinion, is to, to know what time it is, you know, to, to, to read the room, know when people need help, know when they need to be left alone, um, know when they need to get yelled at, know when they need some encouragement, you know what I mean? And you, yeah. you, you can, it's very frequently uh, a lot more efficient to notice those sorts of things when there's an absence of leadership. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't mean that we should strive for that, obviously, but you do need to take the opportunity to witness what's going on. Well, yeah, you're spot on, right? Every every environment requires a different style of leadership, and you're you're exactly right. You've got to walk in and what served you well in one environment doesn't translate to the current environment and yes when there's a vacuum of leadership above you then it's going to require very strong leadership on your part to keep your guys focused and in line and when i say in line i mean motivated and inspired right you're now the person that has to do that and part of that comes when you take their eyes off the negative of what's happening above them right so it's, it's a Stockdale paradox mm -hmm. where, you know, you address the brutal reality of your current situation, but you still hold out hope and give a strategy and hope for the fact that we're going to come out of it in our future situation. And you got to balance that. So you don't pretend the problems don't exist, but at the same time, you don't allow them to get so focused on those problems that they lose their hope that we're going to do something better. You got to continuously inspire them to that something better. And so, yeah, you're the bridge now. You have to fill that that vacuum and it's really easy when we're in a negative leadership environment to get so focused on how much we hate the leadership environment that we kind of lose our way in the middle of it because we're so frustrated over what's happening above us um you know i i can't always do anything about the hand i'm dealt it's my job to play the hand the best i can mm -hmm. um and and help the guys around me kind of lift up raise the water level and keep driving forward and I personally think I've been very fortunate in that 
yes, I've worked with some really core leaders over time, but my units have usually done very well anyway. Sure. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, that that refocusing of purpose is kind of one of the themes of this show. It's, it's you know, I was doing a show before um, called The American Party, and it wasn't really about a political party. It was just about, like, most people, generally speaking, share a, a, a similar core value system. And I'm not just talking about even Americans, I guess, in, in that respect, because pretty much every major philosophic or religious text in the history of humanity has a couple of the same key elements to it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. There's, it's no coincidence that that happens. Those are the foundations of, of a, a just society. So, you know, the idea was to kind of center back around that, but over time, um, you know, it just became more noise, just bitching about how fucked up everything is in our country right now. Um, and it's, it was a net negative and I, it got made me think, you know, if I was in a leadership, if I was, I was a sergeant in the 82nd airborne, right. So, uh, yeah. in the infantry. So if, if, if my team or my squad, if all, if all they got out of me was me bitching about how fucked up our command was, then yeah. not, not only is it, are we all going to be morose, but it's, we're not actually going to get anything done. We won't be able to, mm -hmm. to do our mission. So, you know, I mapped that on to what I was doing here. It's like, what, what would I have done as a sergeant? You know, I would have kicked my own team's ass and made us the best because fuck yeah. everybody else, right? I can't control right. any of this stuff. And it reminded me of something, you know, that I thought of a long time ago, which is you can't really control the outcome of things. You can only control your attitude and your effort. So as I started to down that path, um, one of the critical takeaways was the bifurcation in, in, in all of human civilization between citizens and subjects, right? So uh, a, a subject is somebody who is subjected to the will of people more powerful or wealthy or whatever than them. And citizens are people who have entered into, uh, you know, the social contract with their government that yeah. I'm going to bear the responsibilities required of me in order to secure my natural rights, right? And those are two very different things. And I think the reason I named the show Citizens is because of that, because you can either choose to do that, to accept the mantle and perform your responsibilities, or you can be ruled by your lessers, right, as Plato would say. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know where to go with that, except for um, I agree with you, the, especially the concept of, and I think it's hard for guys today. I think, I think people in general today, when we struggle with what's happening around us, I think there's a there's a feeling of a lack of control and it's it's an additional demotivator right because mm -hmm. we're seeing things happen in in the world around us that is again we struggle with we don't like it it's 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 where i mean you turn on the news and you're immediately dejected and demoralized and discouraged and all this stuff is happening that we have very little control over and the more we focus on those things the more frustrated we get the more lethargic and difficulty we have actually doing anything. Um, and the reality is we can't control the entire pie. Mm. We just can't. Um, we Over time, you might, and it's a ripple effect. But the reality is we have to drive forward. And what, what driving forward looks like is I affect the piece of the pie that I can affect. And I influence there. 
And so that starts with my family. It starts with my community. It starts with my with my with my work and the environment I'm in. And then it spreads out to again the politics that I I, I choose to uh, serve in and help in. I get to influence my piece of the pie. And that's what my role is, to make my piece of the pie the absolute best it can be. And then connect and network with other people who are doing the same way and build this thing out. And eventually we will affect the whole pie. Mm. But the reality is, as long as you're focused on what you cannot control and what is outside your pie, then you are going to fall into that, what you described the subject piece, because you can't you're just going to want to roll over and quit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. And we don't want that, right? Um, our goal is to affect our homes. Our goal is to raise our kids. Our goal is to affect our communities in a positive way um, and and be influencers in these communities and have an impact in a good way on those who, who need our help and in our jobs. And all of these things are where we get to not only you know, really level up our piece of the pie, like you said, right? Make your guys the best they can be, regardless of environment, because being the best is being the best. It doesn't matter the environment you're in. Um, and then also that ripples out, right? Your piece of the pie gets expanded. The more you do that, the more influence you get, the more opportunities you have to have a bigger impact. The hard part is, I think there's a little bit of a learned helplessness and, and folks are a little discouraged and dejected um, because their eyes are, are on what they can't control and it's easy for that. And I'm not blaming those in that position because all of us are in that position. I get caught in that all the time too. And then I've got to retool my brain and focus in on what I can. Um, and then and then just knock it out of the ballpark everywhere that I can touch and then keep trying to expand that that influence yeah, as I, I go. I agree with that. I think we, we have a big problem um, with the way we think about our lives. You know, it's like, you this is a a a wanting analogy i guess but you buy a new you buy a house and then you buy a couch for it and you're like all right cool i'm all set on couches i don't have to buy a couch again and maybe that makes sense to some degree or or the it's it's lifetime uh is long enough to convey some sense of current you know uh, uh uh permanence i guess but then you map that on to things like your life your health, fitness, uh, your psychological well-being, your education, things like that. It doesn't work that way, right? So um, when Jefferson said the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants, I don't think he meant we needed to have a a full-on hot war revolution every 15 years. What he meant was things change, and you have to be able to move with that change. And also, you know, just the general concept that iron sharpens iron, it (laughs) – there, there's no version. I, it it kind of reminds me of uh, Apocalypse Now, where Martin Sheen is in the in the hotel room in Saigon, losing his mind because his enemy's out in the in the bush getting stronger and shit like that. I mean, it, that that's an extreme example. Obviously, most people don't have mortal enemies walking around every day, but uh, it, you are your own worst enemy. Typically, your your capriciousness and laziness and and cowardice, you know, and, and it's something that the best of us have. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, and it's something that you have to constantly be on the lookout for and, and struggle against. I mean, that is the struggle I think that philosophy talks about is against your own willingness to give up. Yeah. Well, so you hit on something that I think is really, I know I, I think is key. It, it's complacency is, is the death of in, innovation mm-hmm. and it's the death of forward movement, right? When I get comfortable, then I'm probably, 
I, I, I'm probably in the wrong place. And that and that's a really common. We've gotten very comfortable in time and, and it goes. I'm going to keep drawing it back to that pie. And so we've taken our hands off the wheel a little bit. We 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 haven't walked the walk we should walk. We haven't set the the example we should set. We haven't looked at what's next. We haven't stood up either for our own rights or even in setting the example for our communities. We we just kind of took our hands off the wheels. Like I said, we got a couch and I'm good. And then when the couch breaks, I'll think about a new one. The problem is by the time the couch breaks, yeah, all right, now you're desperate to find a new one and we're behind the power curve. The 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 reality is our role is to always be doing these things. And I think that's something that we've kind of missed. Now, maybe we're a little discouraged, but I think for years, we kind of took our foot off the gas. We got a little comfortable. We got focused on ourselves. We got focused on, again, what was easy. Um, and so now we're in a position where it's kind of like, well, I mean, you know the deal, right? You train like you're going to fight. Mm -hmm. But if you don't train in peacetime the way you're going to fight in wartime, you're not going to wake up in wartime and all of a sudden turn into a really lethal unit. You're probably going to lose a lot of guys in the process because you didn't train when it was comfortable. And so the reality is you never take your foot off the gas so that you're ready. And again, the influence is continuously expanding. Mm -hmm. And I do have to admit that I think it's easy for all of us to get comfortable. Sure. It's easy, you know, post-military for me to not work out and do those things. I have more broken body parts than I can shake a stick at. Um, but the reality is you have to kind of find a way to keep moving forward, even when you don't have to. And I think some of that was missing a tiny bit. And now we're trying to play catch up. And it's tough to play catch up when you feel like you can't control the environment or you feel like you're so far behind. So what I try to tell guys is, look, regardless of where you were before, it's one step at a time. Find that one thing, whether it's getting up early and spending some time in reflection and meditation, spending some time in the Bible, whatever it is, get that time. Get your workouts in. Find a way, right? You can do it, but you've got to find a way and get the small wins. But you have to start crawling out of that uh, that learned helplessness that mm. we've kind of fallen into. Because honestly, pain without purpose is brutality, but purpose without pain is complacency. Mm. So you can't move forward without a little bit of pain. And if we fall out of the habit of being in pain, we're going to have to slowly work our way, our way back into it. And it's one small step at a time. But the reality is you're right. I think we have gotten a little, you know, complacent. We've gotten comfortable. And I agree. I, I don't think he was talking about all that revolution or anything like that. I mean, what he's really saying is walk your, walk your talk, mm. keep walking your talk. Don't stop walking your talk and let that ripple out and have an influence over the course of this world, which is missing because I think we're not stepping up to our responsibilities and being that example. Sure. One of the things I see with the age group that I work with now, especially the early 20s, the college kids, what do you think they want more than anything else? Um, I mean, I what any human being wants more than anything else is purpose, whether they know it or not, to be honest. They, but... That's a big one. Yes, they want that. What do you think they want from my generation? Uh, uh, from, to be honest, it, it used to be advice. Maybe, uh, here, here's my game plan. Here's how I did it. Maybe you can, this is some use to you, but now to be honest, I don't know what kids want these days. I can tell you what they want from my generation. Anyway, they want us to invest in them. Mm. You're right. They want purpose, right? They are driven by purpose, but what they want is, is, and I, I leaders, right? Not necessarily positional leaders, but leaders that will step in walk our beliefs, 
talk about our beliefs as much as possible and invest in them to grow them. That's what they want. They want leaders that walk the talk. And if you if you spend some time, not you, I mean, in general, what you'll find is that too many are not doing that. Our generation has ceased mentoring and coaching and setting the example for the previous generation. We're focused on other things and we're forgotten to turn around and look at the guys behind us. And we have a responsibility and that goes back to that quote, right? We have a responsibility to be growing and nurturing and helping the next generation behind us. And if we're taking our foot off the gas, then we're not able to do that very well. Um, and if we're completely distracted by what's happening, you know, in environments we can't control, then we're not doing that very well. Sure. And and our role, that's why we can't take our foot off the gas because they're still looking to us for their example and they want us to be their example, which means, you know, you can be 65 and you have the option of retiring, mm. but if you're going to work, then work and get in there and get your hands dirty and be an example and mix it up and invest in these guys. Leadership is leadership uh, in our homes and everywhere else we go. And I think that's making it harder for the younger generation, but it goes back to what you said. If every one of us in my age group would turn around and invest in the people coming behind us to truly make a difference, not tell them what to do, but help them grow into what they're going to do. Mm. I think you change your piece of the pie. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, Gandhi said, if you truly want to find yourself, lose yourself in the service of others. Right. No, there's no doubt about that. Uh, It'll I, make you humble. Certainly. But it, you, you learn it, the, the dirty secret of leadership is you always learn more from your, uh, from your people than they learn from you. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Um, There's no doubt about that. But there is, uh, to, to one of your points about learned, learned helplessness, I do feel like there's some confluence of complacency and learned helplessness that's that's got us where we are today. I mean, uh, not knowing what to do or not feeling inspired or purposeful is a huge barrier, psychological barrier to entry to anything you're ever going to do. It's it's yeah. It eventually leads to nihilism, the same kind of nihilism that leads to gang violence and suicide and mass shootings and terrorism and all that other shit. Those are all symptoms of the same disease. But I do think in, in the U.S. at least, there's some level of intentional learned helplessness. It's a big problem, in my opinion, in primary education in the States. Uh, as since the early 1900s, it's, it's primary education in the U.S. has primarily been focused on pumping out compliant workers. You know what I mean? Like the idea of a quote-unquote good student is one that keeps their mouth shut and doesn't cause any distractions and does all their work. Like, all right, cool. That doesn't sound like an innovator to me. That sounds like somebody who's been browbeaten into subjugation to me, frankly. And you could say the same thing about prohibitive bureaucracy, whether it's small business or anything else. It creates a barrier, a barrier to entry that most regular folks, they're going to walk up and see a steep hill and turn around and be, be satisfied with where they are because they don't want to put that work in. Now, I'm not saying we have to hold everybody's hand through the process, but you do have two hands for a reason, one to pull yourself up and one to pull the next guy up with you, right? So it's so how do you change that equation? Well, there's only one way to change it, and it's what you said. It's like if you're on a fucking force march with all your guys uh, and you don't turn around and look behind you every now and again, the last thing you're going to hear is a bullet whizzing towards the back of your head. You know what I mean? Like it's the, the enemy will find you if you don't turn around and look yeah. and take care of your people. And that, that's a, again, that's an extreme example, but uh, how do we expect to maintain our level of infrastructure and security and comfort 
without training the next generation, not only how to physically perform those things, but why it's important to fucking do it in the first place. You know what I mean? It, it is impossible. That's a obviously a rhetorical question. There's no way for that to continue. So we just gave my generation of latch, latchkey kids uh, had to rediscover purpose. You know what I mean? Because we didn't have any. All we knew was like, all right, right mom and dad are gone. Uh, the, the, the model of success to us was to be busy working all the time. But why? We never knew why. You know what I mean? It was just to get stuff maybe. So, you know, now my generation is starting to understand why that was. And the generation behind us doesn't even have the work ethic. You know what I mean? So the work ethic came part and parcel with the identity and the purpose. And once the identity and purpose were gone, it took one generation for that shit to go away. This episode is brought to you by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use the code CITIZEN to get 20% off your first order. I recommend joining the Black Rifle Coffee Club, where you'll get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-operated company that supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. they got a mission to hire 10,000 vets. They're opening up stores all over the place. And they could use your support in doing so in, in exchange for that. You're going to get the best coffee in the world. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, uh, whether you like light, dark, medium, whatever. Right? And then they have the ECS you know, with specialty blends as well. Choose the delivery style, right? whether you want whole bean coffee that you can grind yourself, ground coffee, or coffee rounds that work, work with uh, Keurig. And you get to choose your delivery schedule every uh, week, every other week, every month, whatever you want, right? So members, in addition to that, get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts with companies like Leopold, uh, 511, all sorts of great stuff. So get 20% off your first order using the code CITIZEN. Go to blackriflecoffee.com today and get those deals next up. Ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. You know them, you love them. They've been with us forever. Right now, Ghostbed is offering a 40% discount on Ghostbed bundles if you buy a mattress and an adjustable base together. And then anything else you buy with that, also 40% off. So if you're looking to upgrade your bedroom or buy a new thing or you got moving into a new house, you just want to do some new stuff, take the opportunity now get 40% off all that stuff. If you're just looking to piece things together and get one or two things, you're going to get 30% off everything else if you use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. You can get a mattress for like 35 bucks a month with their zero down, 0% financing plan that now extends up to 60 months. That's five years, folks. They get the best beds, the best pillows, the best mattresses. Uh, the, the adjustable base is great. It's very functional. Um, the sheets are great. Everything is great. Love it. I take the, the pillows with me when I go on uh, trips now for work. So that should tell you how good it is because I'm actually paying to travel with my ghost pillow. Um, so go get those deals. We love these guys. Uh, been with them a long time. You know how quality they are. You can go read the reviews on the website anytime you want. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today. Yeah, but I also, I don't disagree with you, Dan. I mean, you're right. But I also know that it can be changed the other way. Oh, yeah. But it's always going to go back to what I said. And you kind of nailed it, right? Lashkey Kid, you were missing the investment. And what is missing is, again, you have you nailed it. You don't know why your parents, or at that time, couldn't figure out why they were working so hard, right? But I do know this. You probably didn't want to do the same thing they did. And so now there's a little bit of a of a of a thing that says, "Well, I don't want to do that for my whole life." Mm -hmm. And so now, 
Um, we've got to be able, those of us who have done that, have got to be able to turn around and show why we did it, why it's important, and walk that to the point that they can inherit it and they can internalize it as their why. Mm. The work ethic issue is definitely an issue, um, and I've seen it. But I've also seen this young generation work and uh, go a week on 10 hours of sleep. Mm. So I've seen them do it. The key is what you said, right? There, there needs to be a purpose behind it. They need to be inspired. Um, there need to be folks of my generation that are willing to get dirty and walk with them as they're only sleeping about 10 hours a week, right? We need to be kind of leading the way on that and and walking them through this process so that they can tie into that purpose. And I think there's a gap because we're not walking it. And I, and I include you too, Dan, because mm -hmm. you know, you've been around a while, right? You've done a lot of stuff. You've been in a lot of great environments. You've been an NCO in the 82nd Airborne. That's phenomenal. Now... And what you're doing here on this podcast is an example of that. You're trying to bring people on because you want to invest in turning and moving this needle a little bit from where we are to where you know the potential of this nation is to go. And that starts with people changing their piece of the pie. And that's why you're doing this podcast. It's the only reason I came on is because as I, I, I didn't know anything about you or mm. the podcast. I did a little bit of research. And I like your focus on the fact that, yes, I mean, stuff around us can stink a little bit again the stock the stockdale paradox yes this is not the best environment but the reality is there is some hope that we're going to make it better and it starts with each one of us picking up our little piece of the rucksack and doing the best we can with it and helping the guys behind us and next to us and ahead of us um and it's on focus all right how do i make my piece of the pie better how do i if i have x number of kids inside my purview whatever that is whether it's your own children other people's children how do i influence them to not fall into the trap that you should describe from the education system how do i influence again the five or ten within my scope and then how do i expand that to impact more um is it, it whether it's coaching as, as I, it can be a myriad of different things i was a youth pastor for a while right i, I teach at, at campus when i started teaching on campus it was simply because okay, i want to find a way to get involved and make a difference but also remember something that people tend to forget. Value is demonstrated by sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so if you truly value um, this, what you're talking about, and I don't mean you, Dan, I mean, in general, right? All of us, if we value these things we're talking about, then it's going to cost us something to be able to live it out, right? I'm going to have to put aside sleeping in a little extra because I need to set an example of what it looks like to be the guy that's up early, to do, to have a life that's kind of walking the line the best I can, to still continue to work out, even though it hurts. I'm going to have to sacrifice some of my personal time in order to be able to invest in some of this younger generation, right? Value is demonstrated by sacrifice. It may mean that at 55 or 65, I've got an opportunity to stop working so hard, but I say, no, because I'm trying to set an example for the generation coming behind me. So I'm going to have to sacrifice some of my, you know, what the things that I can do in order to invest because they're valuable in me. I might have to watch how I do things. You know, I used to hear all the time in the army and it did drive me a little crazy, right? You have senior level uh, leaders talking about the importance of fitness, right? All the time. Mm -hmm. And they didn't look... I mean, the only thing that was growing on them was a the table muscle, yeah. right? And and it's like, guys, seriously, you can't you, walk the walk, right? Continue to walk the walk. Nobody expects you at, in your 40s to be able to keep up 
with the 22 year old. Hopefully you've inspired them to blow this thing out of the water, in which case, yeah, but they do expect you in your forties to be able to do everything that you expect them to do. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as fast or as heavy as they do, but you still got to walk that talk. And that's that complacency side that says, well, I don't need to do this. I can get away with this, so I'm not going to do it. When the reality is you can impact it. And so that, that's kind of where my head is, where I like this podcast. Mm. What can we do to make a difference? Well, value is demonstrated by sacrifice. If mm. it's worth it to you, I think you'll take the steps and do it. But it's got to be bigger than you. right? I'm not going to get out of bed in the morning and go work out or do something that's outside um, that's outside my comfort zone simply because it'll make me better. I will do it, though, if it involves somebody else. Sure. Um, I, I, I tell you a story if you want. Yeah. Um, I was uh, one of the many jobs I had was I was an instructor. You know, uh, second lieutenants, when they come through, they got to go to what's called the officer basic course. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of a gentleman's course, but um, it, things were were not. You know, they, a lot of a lot of them were failing out of not making it through ranger school. I think in my class of like 150, maybe five of us graduated from ranger school. So it was definitely there were some issues. Um, and so I got tagged to go teach there and not fully voluntarily. Um, but it was one of the things I had to do. And so, you know, kind of the agreement for me was, um, you know, hey, if I'm going to do this, I believe leading soldiers is a privilege if you want to lead soldiers, then you need to be ready to step in the breach and it's sacrificial and it's going to be hard. And I'm not good with the gentleman's course side of this thing. I mean, some guys are just, they're not committed. And so it was okay. Agreed that I could have the flexibility to make decisions and potentially um, DX guys out, but obviously I'd have to have a counseling pack and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I was able, I had a lot of freedom to, to kind of ramp things up. That's where the nickname Darth Vader came from. And so, you know, I had, a, I had a pretty decent failure rate of second lieutenants that would come through. Um, and then they wouldn't maybe make it to the end of the course and I could support every one of them, but I had this policy, like we're doing say a road march, right? So I've got a policy, it's a 10, whatever, six, 10, 12 mile road march. And I, I put out the, the rules, it's 50 pound rucksack, 15 minutes per mile. You gotta stay in formation the whole way. Uh, if you don't make it, then obviously that's a ding. It's one more reason that, you know, you're probably not going to make it through the program to, through the course. But at the same time, we weigh the rucksacks at the end of the road march, mm -hmm. because I knew that just like anybody else going through, you know, Fort Benning Woods, four o'clock in the morning, they may start with 55 pounds. They're probably not finishing with 55 pounds. And I didn't want the water weight to count either. So at the end of the road march, my NCOs would weigh the rucksacks. Um, and if they didn't make weight, I would make them sleep in the CQ desk that night. So the train all day that had to sleep, I put a cot in front of the CQ desk. So the lights were on, the radios were going all night. They'd had to spend the night there. And then the next morning at four in the morning, uh, one, my NCO would get them up and they would go out to the one mile track at Fort Benning and he'd have a lawn chair and a cup of coffee and he'd sit there and count their laps as they would have to do the 10 or 12 laps on the one mile track and then have to maintain that 15 minute per mile pace by themselves. If they didn't make it, then they had officially failed the road march. And now they're, you know, another reason to potentially not make it. So th that was my policy. Um, and, you know, somebody's going to test it. And I had a lieutenant test it one pound light. So he spent the night and, and on he went, did his thing. So I had one lieutenant that was really struggling with the, with the course. He was definitely not in shape. He was not committed. 
Um, he was on, I will admit fully, um, I'm the bad guy. He was in my crosshairs. Uh, this guy is, we're going to DX him here. He's not going to make it through the course. Mm. Um, and I know this, right? This guy, this guy's not going to lead soldiers. So, um, in on the road march, like every other event we do, he's struggling, he's sweating, he's falling back. I'm kicking him, I'm cursing at him, I'm, I'm yelling at him. He falls back in formation, falls back out, moves back in, falls. I mean, it's miserable. The guy, if we walk 10 miles, he'd probably walk 12. Um, but he eked his way by, he barely made it. And I knew, okay, there's not much, there's nothing left in his tank. So everyone's sitting around sweating, and my NCO calls me and says, sir, you got to see this. So I come over to where he's weighing the rucksacks, and here's this young man. And he's standing there soaking wet, and he's shaking like crazy, um, and he's clearly wiped out. And I look at him, and as soon as I looked at him, I know he's done. There is no way he's spending the night seeking desk and doing this again tomorrow. He barely made it today. Mm. My NCO takes his rucksack on a fish scale and ekes it up, and it's 75 pounds. I said, that's not his rucksack. He says, sir, it's his rucksack. I took it from him and his name tags on it. I said, okay, wait again. He said, I already waited twice, but all right. So he waited again. It was 75 pounds. So I looked at this kid and I said, son, I understand that as an officer, I expect you to have a buffer. That's just what I expect. Five pounds, you never show up with the minimum weight. You're not right. sneaking by. So I expect a buffer. But six, but 25 pounds? Why would you do that in your condition? Why would you put a 25-pound buffer in, in your rucksack? And this was his response. He said, sir, you don't understand. I haven't seen my wife for six weeks. She's flying in tonight. She's here for the weekend. And I knew if I didn't make this road march with flying colors, I would not get to see her. And I have to go home ashamed. And I don't remember if I said to that guy or not, Dan, but I remember thinking in that moment of time, this guy, he just found his thing. He just found his purpose. Everything he'd gone through wasn't worth it to him until that point. And now the least conditioned guy that was still left in this platoon had just carried more weight than any of us, including me, on this road march. And he had made it. He'd done something none of us had done simply because he found his purpose. And I remember thinking, and again, I don't remember if I said it to him, but he found his thing. Mm. And you know something? I was wrong about him. He changed. He he became, over the next 10 weeks, whatever it was, I watched this kid start to perform. He started making everything. He started training. His his The guys around him rallied to help him grow. They helped him lead. By the end of the course, Dan, he stood in front of my desk after 16 weeks, and he looked like an infantry soldier. Mm. He was chiseled. He was lean. He could stand straight. He looked me in the eye, and I'll, I'll never forget. I And I told him, I said, man, you have humbled me. You have shown me something I didn't expect. And I ripped up his counseling packet with him there so he could throw it away with me uh, together. Because the reality was he had found his purpose and it was greater than him. And once he found that, it gave him the reason to push through every ounce of adversity and grow and grow to something that he always had the potential to be but hadn't tapped it into it yet. And the reality is that was always there. He just didn't see it. I didn't see it, but it was always there. He just didn't have a reason to bring it out. And when you're in, when you're struggling, sometimes for yourself, it's one thing, 
But when your purpose is assigned to something else, I'm doing it because I don't want to let my wife down. I'm doing it because I don't want to let my family down. And I want to be able to walk this and finish what I started. It will change your life. And when that purpose goes beyond you, when your why extends beyond you, you will do things that even you thought you could never do. And so that's why I tell guys, it's good to have the desire to get better. It's good to have the desire to be the best guy at work, the best example at home, to have the patience to, to walk this walk and be an example in this world. It's good to have that desire, but you better tap into why you have that desire. Because when things get tough, the why is what's going to keep you going. Sure. It's yeah. why you're doing it in the first place. I mean, it occurs you're to not... me that's what Jesus meant when he said, uh, what is it, Matthew 20, 17 or something, where he's talking about uh, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. I don't think uh, he was implying that somebody could literally move a mountain or that necessarily just the idea of faith itself is uh, is magical, but believing in stuff, like having purpose greater than yourself that you could focus on certainly helps everybody. I mean, that's... Um, and you can tell, like I said before, it, it, it becomes very obvious how important something is when you witness the absence of it. So the lack of purpose in modern America, particularly for um, for young men, is a problem that is, it's literally costing us thousands of lives, right? Yeah. I mean, to a lesser degree, the mass shooting stuff, that it doesn't actually account for a lot, uh, but the suicide certainly does. The gang violence certainly does. And yeah. you know, and, and not just the actual violence that comes forth from... Uh, you know, unpurposed, undriven young male aggression, but also what we lose from having those kids focused on on the same purpose we're all focusing on. And I think it's something that's become a huge problem in the military. People think that I, I've heard quite a few people say that the suicide epidemic in the military is because of the trauma of combat. And there could be some truth to that. But I, to me, that rings empty. I really, I, I, I don't think that's what it is. I think that to, to put up, to do all that hard work, to do all that shit, to put up with all the, the nonsense, you know, multiple long deployments and all that stuff, being away from your family, watching your buddies get fucked up, it needs to mean something. And it needs to be very fucking clear what it means. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it was really clear what we were doing in, in, in Europe and in Asia in World War II. It has not been very clear what we've been doing the last 20 years. And right. if anything is to blame outside of just the normal parameters for the suicide epidemic, it's that the leadership in this country didn't tell us what the fuck we were fighting for. They used platitudes yeah. like freedom. Fight them over there so we don't have to fight them here. Like, all right, man, cool. What, what exactly are we doing here? And it's a big problem, but it's, it's the same problem over and over. It's the same problem with young men not being mentored by male role models and then not discovering any purpose in life, but having that aggression. And then it becomes an internalized aggression, which is either yeah, it, it becomes depression, suicide, it's self or rage. It's completely yeah. self-destructive, yeah. So yeah, it's, it is. it's not th like this. These are not very difficult things to figure out. We, I, I feel like life is hard work. And back in the day when it was, when the hard work was very obvious, it was a little bit easier to be honest. Yeah. Like we think life is easier now, but I, I submit that it is not. We are now very aware of how comfortable life can be. And we don't have any natural predators except for our own, you know, internal dialogue. Yeah. And 
enough generations struggle and people will just do it without asking. And then all it takes is that one generation to get comfortable, right? What did, what did yeah. Reagan say? We're always only one generation away. One from, generation away from the extinction yeah. of liberty. From losing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, like this is, this is the lesson I want people to learn because we, I, I feel like there's enough people out here that can, you know, get motivated themselves and motivate others and, and, make positive change in our, in our culture, society, even in our politics. But if we only do it, if we make the mistake that our parents did or that we've done so far, which is to just solve the problem, but not build a defensive perimeter against that problem, becoming a thing again without training new leaders. Cause to me, that's the ultimate form of leadership is making new right. leaders. Well, that, that is it, right? That's the whole purpose of investing in the next generation is because they're now affecting the generation behind them. So how do you change the paradigm? You grow the next generation of leaders so that they can change the paradigm. And I think we kind of tend to flip-flop back and forth between short views, right? When I had the couch uh, and it was good, I didn't do anything. Then when the couch broke, I, I got to get a new couch and I got to do something about it right now. And you'll sacrifice, view, you'll sacrifice, you'll like, I'm not going to do X for the next month so I can save money to buy that couch. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that point you will, mm. but it's a long play. Everything should be a long play. And so just like this problem didn't, didn't emerge overnight, this has been brewing for years and generations. This has been going on. We're not going to solve it overnight. Mm. It is a process of growing the next generation. And I think you nailed it, right? How do we solve this problem? Well, we start growing the next generation so that they can also solve the problem because our generation may or may not be able to change the paradigm and move the needle that fast. We might, we may not, but the reality is they are. And so we're growing them to break the paradigm. Mm. That means we're investing back in order for them to make the changes while we keep working it here. We're setting the conditions for their success. And so the main effort, I think, sometimes gets confused. We're doing the short play again. We may or may not be the main effort. I, I don't know if our generation is the main effort, but I know this, your generation is, and the generation behind you is main effort. And so if I'm still focused on me being the main effort, then I'm going to be fighting like crazy to fix the couch, when in reality, I need to be training the guys that are building my next couch, because they're the ones that are going to give me the couch that's going to last for the next 10 years. And so it's always going to come down to who's where we put our focus and why we get out of bed in the morning. Mm. And if we truly want to make a difference, then find a place to invest. Doesn't find it seem a place to, to you kind of like a, like a startup company, right? So you and I have a really good idea with our, with widget X and we start, yeah. we start our company. And at, at first it's just the two of us. You're doing all the operations. I'm doing all the finance and marketing. Right. And then we, yeah. then we start to, hire people under us to do yeah. those jobs who are actually good at doing those jobs. But as your uh, organizational chart spreads out, each one of those touch points is a potential point of failure, right? That's this is just physical mechanics at that point. So yeah. your, your job isn't just to replace yourself in those locales, but, but to replace yourself with somebody more efficient than you are preferably right i mean that's the goal yeah so we yeah don't, we don't think about we don't think about our culture and society as a, as a startup like that for some reason i don't know why 
because it's that's the the building strategy that makes the most sense. It's the one that we use in the military. You train the guy below you on your job, and you train yeah. for the job above you. That's how it works, and it's a matter of yes. course. Like we don't even think about that; it just happens. No. But for some reason, we haven't been able to make that part of our culture, and I don't I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, well, I, I will admit, I, I do a lot of coaching and consulting and, and, and management work with companies. And, and I'd see that a lot, right? We're supposed to train our, our replacement. That's our job, right? I'm training you mm -hmm. to replace me one day, maybe not in the short term, right? It may take a few steps for you to get there. But everybody is being groomed to a higher level of responsibility. And we're training and preparing them for that. We in the military, we were actually pretty good at that. I mm -hmm. think that's one thing that we did do well. Um, well, you have so to, good right? You have to, because yeah, otherwise you do have to it, in that in, in that extreme of environment, everything immediately breaks down. It doesn't take a generation. Yeah. It immediately breaks down. You have to. Right. It's it's because nobody, no plan no plan survives first contact. So mm. the reality is that's one of the things that made us so much more powerful than the Soviet mm. army back then. And probably still now, right. Was the fact that our soldiers have the ability to innovate and to think and to lead without the presence of senior officers mm. there all the time to make the decisions. It's what makes us so powerful as a force is our ability for soldiers at every level to be able to, again, lead, manage, and mm. and make decisions. Um, I agree with that. An authoritarian army will never defeat us. It just, it can't. No, it, that's what makes it so hard. Yeah, yeah it can't. They it, can't. Yeah. But it, it, they just can't. That's that, I mean, the Soviet army was always bigger than ours, mm. but they didn't have our, our, our mobility, our mm. ability, our adaptability. They didn't have our soldiers. That's the bottom line. They didn't have our NCOs and our, and our, and our young soldiers that could actually think and move. So, um, but in our society, we haven't done as great a job of doing that. Of, And I see it in companies all the time. And to your point, the scaling company, they thought about their widget. They thought about where they were today. But a lot of times, they don't think about what they're going to look like tomorrow. And so basically, they haven't planned for success. And so then by the time I come in, they've done exactly what you said. They've hired a bunch of people. They're pulling their hairs out. There's no systems in place to manage them, to lead them. Um, it's a little bit chaotic. They're scaling faster than they can do anything about, and things get really hard to manage. And so, um, it when you do something new, like scaling company, yes, it's really important that you're also thinking, you know, what's this going to look like tomorrow, and what does the scale plan look like? But the same thing goes now. Who's my replacement? Well, our my replacement is your generation. Your replacement is the generation behind you, and how are we preparing them to take our place? Mm. And what values are we instilling in them? by the values we're walking ourselves. Yeah. What example, what what are we teaching them? What's the standard um, we're setting, yeah. What's the standard we're setting, right? Because right? every time you walk by a standard, you've every time you walk something by something, you've established a new standard. Mm -hmm. So what standard are you establishing with their generation? Are you accepting the complacency or are you helping them come out of the complacency? Are you accepting less than the best or are you helping them pull out of less than the best? Are you accepting minimal influence or are you helping them see how to influence and impact their piece of the pie. Um, the example you set is exactly what they're going to do. And so we, you know, slowly can change the paradigm. May not happen in my generation. It might, but it certainly could happen in yours. Yeah, I believe so. Um, I believe so. And it's, yeah, I, I like that line of thinking. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost a philosophical take on, on, a lot of different things at, at, at the same time, like uh, the military, society, politics. And it, I, I really do believe 
that a, an authoritarian army could never defeat a free army because freedom allows that operation without central leadership and that's how you win that's why we say ncos win wars right it's not it's not fucking first sergeants or generals it's it's sergeants that win wars because uh that's just how it's it happening in ukraine yeah for sure yeah and it makes to me uh from, from the philosophical from a philosophical standpoint that makes the concept of freedom and liberty even more important because in a way it makes freedom uh outside of just the ethical concerns of, of individual liberty and stuff the most adaptable form most adaptable and defensible form of civilization and thus it must be the one most worthy of your effort right regardless of what mm. what goal you're uh, heading towards because no authoritarian government's ever going to last it just it doesn't work that way you know what i mean you you eventually you have to become violent fundamentalism requires violence because not everybody's going to agree and it only works if everybody agrees like socialism or i guess communism right. to a greater degree is is like that um so i wonder um what are the what are the principles that i like to lean on is one that i was taught when i was in the military by a first sergeant of mine and it's uh no matter where I am, I'll be a leader. And as a leader, I'll eat last. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, again, leadership is about service, right? Um, if you read a lot of the books out there, whether it's Cynics, uh, Jim Collins, it's all about service. And Leaders Eat Last, again, that's the title of Simon Cynics book. I mean, it's spot on to where I am leading because I am here to serve those whom I lead. And so, yes, it is always putting their needs first. It is what does this person, this organization, this family need from me in this moment? And it goes back to what you said before. Sometimes people need a swift kick in the tail, right? Then I've got to be willing to give them that. Sometimes they don't need that. Sometimes they just need me to just kind of help carry them off the drop zone. Sometimes they need me to help lift them and see where we're going. Um, there's different, again, it's all about what, that person, that organization, that unit needs for me in that moment of time. So what they need is different than what I want. Sometimes I want to rip somebody's face off because they've really, really disappointed me and torqued me off. But that's not what that guy needs. It isn't. What they need is for me to slap them inside the helmet and say, all right, man, look, I know we could have done this better. And next time we will. Just don't worry about this. Let's, let's learn and let's move on. But that relationship is more important than me ripping his face off, even though I'd like to rip his face off. Sometimes I do need to rip their face. I look, we screwed this up. We're going to get it right and we're going to move forward. But being able to know what's needed in that moment is all about service and know how to approach it. That's all about service. And I can't do that if I'm focused on me and what I need in this moment. So yeah, I'm hungry, but I'm not eating before my guys eat sure. because their needs come before mine. It's what they need. And then I'll eat after their... I feel like the self, the self-sacrificial stuff is very obvious, but some of the things that aren't obvious, and it's something that anybody that's been to business school will be aware of this fact. But one of the biggest—not necessarily. Well, that's true. <laughs> but one one of the largest issues with management in corporate America, um, one of the most obvious failure points for middle management, particularly, is that the manager is not given the latitude or the authority to perform the duties required of them. Right. So yeah. they're being micromanaged by upper management or they don't have the, the management authority to create their own team as they see fit or haven't been given the tools to do that. So sometimes 
sometimes it is allowing your employee or soldier to fail at the lower level in the same way you would. I don't, I don't mean to sound demeaning or anything, but in the same way that you would allow a child to try something stupid that's in a low risk environment, like we talked about before, fail and then explain like, here's why that was dumb. You know what I mean? Or, you know, yeah. or it's like you allow them to help you. And I think that's a problem for leaders. It's a real problem because it does take a certain amount of uh, alpha mentality to get yourself into a position like that, right? I think the alpha mentality is probably more common than the combination of alpha mentality plus, you know, self-actualization that it takes to, yeah. to understand that you're not perfect <laughs> uh, or whatever you want to call it. But yeah. the one, and it's it's another problem with the veteran communities. The one thing that a lot of us never really learned how to do, which is to ask for help. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. if you like it, the ultimate passing of the baton from one, from a leader to his pupil who is now becoming a leader is for that leader to be in charge of him in some way, whether it's helping him out with something or I go back into the formation and you lead the fucking formation. Now that's, yeah. it's the reason why we have, as soon as you become, as soon as you go to the E5 board and get pinned, get your ass out there and start calling cadence. It's not because nobody yeah. wants to do it, which is, I mean, it probably is true that nobody wants to do that, but it's yeah. because now you have to demonstrate that you can lead these men. You know what I mean? Yeah. Including myself. Well, and, you, and you need an opportunity to do what you said, right? To try it and to fail a little bit and to struggle and to stumble and bumble inside a controlled environment where you're not going to do any damage. And, and that is a huge part of that leadership thing you talked about, right? It's being able to go back and have the courage to let your guys fail mm. or have the courage to let your mission degrade a tiny bit because you're growing the next leader leader and they need the space to be able to think because i got to teach them how to think not what to think and so it's easy for me as a senior experienced guy to tell them this is how things should be done but if they're going to internalize it i've got to let them get to that point themselves which means it's going to take time I'm going to have to give more time to get things done because I, I I can't give them the solution. I'm going to have to give time for redos, right? Go back and let's do it again. You came out here to sing cadence, didn't go very well. So we're going to do it again, right? But I've got to give time, which means that formation day didn't go very well. And I'm okay with that because we lost a little bit of our performance, but it's okay because I'm growing the leader. Mm. That takes courage. It takes risk. It takes, it takes a willingness to be what I call a pain eater, mm. right? Because I, as a senior leader, have to be willing to eat the pain from my senior leaders so that you're not feeling that pain. There's a whole combination of stuff there mm. that says I am growing you, which means now I'm eating the pain. I'm taking ownership of you and your performance, and I'm helping you now learn how to think, which means you're going to stumble, you're going to bumble. But as we go through it, you're going to come up with solutions that are probably going to be better than mine, mm -hmm. actually, truth be told. Um, and in reality, you're going to then start hitting, firing on all cylinders. But the hardest part of that, though, Dan, is nobody wants to put the time into it or the effort into it. It's easier to just turn around and do it myself. Sure. We're also very risk averse these days. Oh, very much so. Especially when very it comes so. to career advancement. And to be honest, I that to me, that is, uh, that is a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, but that goes back to that sacrificial leadership, right? Mm. Why are you there? Are you there for yourself to get promoted or are you there for the, your your guys to get promoted? And if you're there for you, then you can't do what I just described because you can't be a pain eater. Yeah, but it's, you know, it it works better for you if you 
don't focus on your, this is, this is what drives me crazy about the modern, uh, uh, about the, I guess the generation behind me and a lot of people in my generation as well. It's like this self help, uh, uh, pat yourself on the back, take a, yeah. m- take a mental health day bullshit. Like, come on, man, Are you kidding me? It's life. Every day is going to be hard. The weight doesn't get lighter. You get stronger. That's how it works. <laughs> that is how it works. And then what you don't realize is that you're under a ton of under a ton of weight today, and you're like, why does it not get easier? And it's because you're handling more weight than you were before. If you turn around and look at how much you're handling today compared to what you were handling mm-hmm. yesterday, you'd be pretty impressed by the progress you're making. Mm-hmm. So it's getting heavier because you're getting stronger. You nailed it, yeah. and that's exactly what it is. And and if people see that, then it kind of motivates you to say, okay, it's not that life stinks. It's that I'm getting my shoulders are getting bigger. Yeah. Um, and that's a good thing. I'm carrying a bigger load than mm-hmm. I was. Yeah. You're a val- You're a, you're an asset at that point. I'll, I'll tell you the, the best accomplishment that I had in the military wasn't anything in war or anything like that. It was taking a bunch of cherries that I'd just been assigned through EIB and all of them got their shit. And two of yeah. them, went, two of them went through perfectly. Like that's the, that's the proudest moment I ever had because otherwise, what are you doing? You know what I mean? I, I just, it's, it's, I, I think this idea of, of, uh, prioritizing yourself and self care, I believe is extremely toxic to humanity in general, but particularly to communities. It's in <laughs> what scenario does me first, that's, that's the way a child thinks, but somehow yeah. it's like, Oh, life has gotten too hard. So let's start focusing on our own welfare now instead of, you know, finding ways to make it easier for everybody else, which is the whole point of community in the first place. And it's a point of leadership, right? So Mm -hmm. there's an element of self-care that's required, but it's, you know, you got to be, I agree with you. It's it's going way too far. And when Mm -hmm. I say self-care, it's like, okay, I got to break out and find time to work out, Mm -hmm. right? Because if I don't do that, I'm not able to function as well. I've got to find a way to get some alone time. But for me, that's early in the morning, right? Before everybody's up, before everything starts. Um, so finding those opportunities is important so that you can de- de- you can disconnect and focus. But it's all predicated on the fact that I'm, I'm doing it to get in the game, right? Mm-hmm. To get prepped and be solid for the game. I'm not doing it because I need to lick my wounds. And although that may happen every now and then, mm-hmm. that but then that's when my partner, right? Whether it's my wife or my, the folks I'm working with, that's when they're going to be carrying me for a sure. little while. I say, guys, I am busted up. Um, and I, I just, I, I need to be carried off the drop zone and then I'm willing to accept the help. So those guys carry me off the drop zone. Cause it is a team, it's a community. Um, but it has gone to the point that, um, yeah, it's become too much of the focus and you can't do it, right? Mm-hmm. You can't lead from that pos- position yeah. because yeah. leadership is you're carrying other people's rucksack. Yeah. It's 100 percent plus some. It's it's 100 100 percent and then some, which yeah. means I'm carrying my load and some of yours. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I always so one, even the self care is got to be focused around the external purpose. Otherwise, you just become yeah. a pampered toddler. And the other exactly uh, to your last point there, I think it's the log drill and buds is probably the the most apt way to describe this like there's a 400 pound log and there's 12 dudes and you got to hold it over your head and every time yeah. every every second you take off is more weight that everybody else has to carry and you know sometimes yeah. that's the way it is sometimes you need to put your arms down to shake them out for a second but either be there and do the work or get the fuck out of the way i guess uh you know because if if you 
if you want to be part of society and you're not willing to to pull your share, then you're you're just you're, you're costing everybody else. And it's not to me. That's the worst thing that a person, aside from you know murder and rape and shit like that, the worst thing that a normal person can do is turn you know their inconvenience into an inconvenience for other people. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I don't like uh, that. You know, I, I think I think it's balanced, right? Some folks need help, and we got to be able to go back and help them from time to time because they're in a bad place. Um, other times, then, with the intent that they'll turn around then and be able to now contribute and help the person behind them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on the log drills, I always feel sorry for the shortest guys if they're in the back of the log because the mm-hmm. whole way the log's down on those mm-hmm. poor guys. You know what I mean? So every now and then, a tall one's got to get over there to give the short guy some rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the short guy's got to take a rest, and we got to help him out a little bit. But at the same time, it's with the intent that he's going to get his arms back up there eventually and, and carry his piece of the log. But we know he's kind of disadvantaged based on the fact that he's shorter and all the weight's leaning on him because the log's going down this way. Um, and so we want to help him out. But, yeah, he's he's got to have a desire to be there. And and that's the hard part, right? Not everybody's desires to be in that. They they want to be the – they want they're the short guy. They want to be in the middle hanging on the log um, or just standing on the ground and not holding any of the way the log where the reality is – you know, it, you, you gotta want to be part of this. Um, and we've all got a piece of the log to carry. So, um, I, I like that analogy. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I got other thoughts. I just wasn't sure what you, where you wanted to go. No, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, it's the, the goal. Well, one of the things I like to say is if you could turn your pain and suffering into empathy for other people, you could save two lives, yours and theirs. Right. Absolutely. And then so the whole reason you're going through it is because right. you're going to become you're going to be able to help somebody that, you know, you will have had experiences in your life, Dan, that I have not had. Mm-hmm. And so somebody going through those experiences, I will not be able to help as much as you who have walked those roads with them. And so you'll be able to reach back and help people that I can't reach. Mm-hmm. But then I will be able to reach back and help people that you won't be able to reach because you haven't had those experiences. But I have. Right. And that's that that's where those networks starts becoming really powerful. Right. The whole reason you went through it was because God is preparing you to be able to help somebody else through it. And so you're you'll go through it and you'll suffer through it. And then you will find that you'll have opportunities to meet people that are going through what you went through. And you will now be able to be able you'll now be able to kind of help Mm -hmm. them. Um, And you'll be uniquely poised because you'll be the only one that has gone through it because other people in their circle haven't. And so that's kind of how it works, right? And so, yes, the load gets heavier, but you have an empathy for certain people that I haven't experienced and I won't have the same ability to reach. Right. And that's what makes it so stinking powerful is yeah. when we're in there doing that. Dude, the the impact we can have is is unlimited. Mm. Well, it's it's uh, exponential, you know, and I think yeah. that's, that's kind of where we need to refocus. So before we get out of here, I want to hear thoughts on this. But as far as turning all this around, I don't think it's enough for people to to become leaders in their communities. I, I don't think, I think that's helpful. Sure. But it's only helpful now. Uh, the, the only thing that's going to write the ship is, um, to yes, be leaders in your community, but train leaders in your community, right? Train, uh, yeah. train, train and support leaders in community. Uh, as, uh, to wrap up here, can you just speak for that for a moment? Yeah, I think, I think it comes down to what do you say? No. To, yes. To what do you say? No. To remember, Part of us values demonstrated by sacrifice. I only got so many hours a day. So where am I going to put those hours? How do I invest them and grow the next generation leaders? It's different for everybody. 
it's it's usually going to be involved with some nonprofit level work, right? Whether it is nonprofits in your church, whether it's coaching kids basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is, there's there are opportunities to get involved in in different aspects of generational work. It's just a matter of what do you say no to in order to make time for that. It means I may get a little less of me time. It goes back to what you said, right? That me time. Well, I'm going to get a little less of that if I'm going to put some energy into something that doesn't influence, affect me directly. So there are, I tell people, there's a myriad of opportunities inside every aspect of your life, whether it is investing in your own kids, whether it's investing in moving to the schools and being part of the stuff they do there, whether it's, again, that door may not be open, mm. whether it's working in youth groups, whether it's helping in, in again, coaching. I'm only thinking of a few because my mind's blanking on it, but there are a myriad of opportunities. You've got a burden for it. You've got a passion. You've got you've got the skill set. Then now you need to decide what you're going to sacrifice in order to give time to that, because no matter what, everything requires a sacrifice. You mm -hmm. can't do everything. There are only 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so what are you going to give up in order to do that? And that's a tough conversation because sometimes it's hard to give up, um, you know, the me time. But the me time, back to that leaders eat last, the me time, that me time is focused primarily on getting you ready to make a difference. And so the meantime, me time to me doesn't have to be days on end disappeared. Um, it means getting some quiet time and then back into investing um, in somebody or something. So again, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to be able to bring, do something to that which you value? And Dan, I think you're spot on right. There is, there are no shortage of opportunities out there for us to be involved in. In my case, you know, I was a youth pastor before I was before that. I mean, I, I worked with kids and I started multiple youth groups, high school groups. I coached. I mean, it was a million different things, right? You can do. Um, my route was my route, right? Everybody has their own route. But um, for me, it was always finding the places where I could do that and then finding a way to get involved one way or the other, either as a leader or just as as, as just as one of the one of the team members there helping them out um, to invest in them and. That to me has been kind of a, especially since I got out of the army, man, that's just for the last 12 years or 15 years, whatever it's been, um, finding ways, find ways to serve, I guess is how I would put it. Find a way to serve. I like that. Great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. It's been, uh, very informative. Uh, you're doing great work in leadership, which is something this country desperately needs. Um, so again, thank you for coming today. We, we, uh, Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me and taking the risk to have me. Uh, it's no, <laughs> I really appreciate there's, it. There's no risk for me. Uh, well, I appreciate it, man. I enjoy it. Absolutely. It was great meeting you, Dan. Yeah, you as well. Love to connect again sometime. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it again sometime. I appreciate your time. Uh, okay. And Take care, we, we appreciate all you uh, listening. This has been Citizen. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.